This is Women Behind Wool, a podcast shining a light on the female face of the Australian wool industry. This week's guest is Jess Webb, who is a mum of two boys and a wool grower in um, just near Urala in the New England and New South Wales. And she's also um, on the board of the Fleece to Fashion Awards, which are held in Armadale every year. What I love about Jess's story is that in many ways she reflects every woman or so many women in the Australian wool industry. She's in her mid-30s, raising a family, building a life with her husband on a farm that they bought just a few years ago. Jess has um, a strong business background and so does her husband Hamish. Um, Jess has an MBA, she's worked in um, agribusiness for however many years and what I love about their story is that when Jess and Hamish decided they wanted to buy a farm to raise their kids on the land they didn't just get into the wool industry by default or for emotional reasons they really looked at it as a business decision and um, analysed the industry as a whole, the history of the industry and what they saw as the future of the industry. And they really reflect those people in the wool industry that are um, high-performing business people who are very innovative, very progressive. Yeah, we need to see more of that. I can't wait to see more of that as time goes on. And I don't know a lot about Jess Webb, but I cannot wait to meet her and talk with her more and we hope that you enjoy her story too. Hi, I'm Jess Webb and I live on a sheep and beef enterprise outside Armadale in northern New South Wales with my husband Hamish and two little boys, Walter and Angus. Wool became a part of my life, um, I guess, growing up. Um, I, I grew up on a, a sheep and, and wool property, uh, our family property in the Flinders Ranges in South Australia. That property was sold towards the end of our schooling days, but um, and I suppose I've had a break from the production side um, since school, going away to university, spending time overseas, working in the corporate world and so forth. But um, I guess that said, I've also been in agribusiness for most of my career. So, you know, been around the wool industry, even not, you know, from a production side of things. Um, but also my husband um, comes from a sheep and wool property in Western Queensland. So, you know, when we got to know each other, that, you know, meant many trips out West, um, especially to the famed Matabara sheep show. <laughs> <laughs> to show our support and connect with his hometown and his community. So now we've kind of come full circle and we're producing fine wool ourselves. So how does it come to be that you've ended up in the New England? It, a lot of people ask us that question. I suppose our plan was always to use our off-farm careers to help help us find a way back to the land. But in order to keep that off-farm skill set and continue those opportunities, we needed to move to a place that was connected and accessible. And that's why we chose Armadale. We were looking around at, you know, what we could afford and put a lot of thought into what sort of enterprise we wanted to run and so forth. But 
I guess Western Queensland was quite remote and probably difficult to commute daily if you were looking to try and keep a job or access to say Sydney and Brisbane where most of our sort of business networks are these days and then also you know South Australia was probably a bit too far south for my husband and there's no no rugby union down there so Mm -hmm. that was probably a a deal breaker early on (laughs) so Armadale it is and that's where we've been for the past couple of years. The thing that really enticed us to your story was that even though you have both had a background in wool your decision to uh, take it on within your own farming enterprise was very purposeful and very well researched and well thought out can you tell me more about that process for you guys? We the wool industry was sort of appealing on on many levels um well, I, to begin with, there was the nostalgic element, um, the historical side of things in that both of our families had run sheep and and that was familiar territory. But I suppose it was the future that um, really felt more exciting for us at a sort of high level. Many of the previous headwinds for wool, um, we could see, had swung around to become tailwinds. Um, things like the removal of the floor price scheme you know, there were many years of difficulty for the, the market to absorb all that oversupply and, and stockpile. Um, but now we've diversified into new markets and there's actually scarcely enough producers of wool globally to meet that demand. So that was a positive. There's also um, an increasing application for wool, not just in the luxuries sort of high-end markets, but the thermal wear, baby wear, athleisure and I guess even like the sports shoes and things like that are now being made from from beautiful wool. Um, and then you look at where Australia sits and, you know, we supply 70% of the world's apparel merino wool. Um, predators uh, have been a major issue for the industry. Um, so, again, a headwind that's sort of been managed now. There are ways to sort of uh, address these things like exclusion fencing and so on. And our, our trades opened up. Uh, far beyond simply shipping it back to the mother country so yeah all, all those economic sky I think um, over the past 20 years was sort of boding well uh, national sleep shop sheep flock um, you know that's more than half yet the price of wool and lambs quadrupled if not quintupled so fundamentally we thought they were supportive elements for us to want to invest in wool and and build a business in the sector. And were you quite happy that the fundamentals showed the good story because it's such a beautiful product to work with? Yeah, absolutely. It is. And um, I think, yeah, maybe just by virtue of where we sit in the cycle, the commodity cycle, you know, um, we certainly saw the hardship in the 80s and the 90s um, but as children and then, you know, where we are now as, as adults and business owners, we're sort of seeing that um, resurgence and Hopefully we've timed it well. <laughs> so tell me, I'm really interested to know more about what kind of wool you produce. And, um, yeah, you, you said that you uh, you look to sell it internationally um, to buyers that want sustainability accreditation. Can you flesh that out a bit more? Sure. So at the moment um, we're producing fine wool. I mean, the New England is known for its fine wool. We are just actually running dry sheep and um, building our numbers up. Uh, the property that we, we've acquired had run sheep traditionally, but not for a good 25 years. So 
as you can imagine, there's quite a bit of sort of infrastructure that you need to improve and, and convert back to a wool enterprise. So things like fencing and water and, and even building new sheep yards, you know, there's been a lot to sort of do to eventually build that out and to accommodate, um, I guess, a breeding flock. We weren't quite ready to do that if our fences weren't in good order and, and ready for those lambing ewes. So we bought mostly local lines that we could find. Um, we, we took on the property in the middle of a roaring drought um, that New South Wales in, you know, over the past few years. So it was a bit of a slow start getting going, just waiting for that season to turn. And, um, you know, sheep did, we could see, would actually do well um, on not much. <laughs> Um, Mm. so that sort of, I guess, proved the theory. Um, and ironically, we've had one of the best seasons we've ever had. And that's, you know, sort of noticed some, in some cases, one of our lines of weathers has probably gone backwards. (laughs) Mm. So, you know, that's just an interesting, um, learning curve. We're non-mules. So we are, you know, looking toward that sustainable accreditation. Um, that was mostly because of, you know, the location of where we are suited that sort of decision and that production system so we could take advantage of that marketing or that ideally premium without having to change what we were really doing we're just hoping to really build our numbers up and eventually we'll be side sampling and and doing as much as we can to control our own flock and and one day breed our own so we're at the beginning of the journey but we look forward to where that's going to lead and as a female and a and a woman working in the wool industry what kind of things are you in charge in charge of in your operation? Sure. So I, I suppose I wear a couple of hats at the moment. It's a bit of an evolving landscape. We um, have two young little boys, a uh, three-year-old and one-year-old. So I, but they are very much in front and center in my day-to-day life as well. But I'm um, I'm in the background. I do some of the administration for our business. Um, I also actually handle some of our off-farm projects. And I, I sit on three boards within the industry. So that um, also keeps me busy off farm. But um, whenever I can turn my hand to help muster or get in the yards with Hamish, I do really enjoy that. I really enjoy the stock work element. Quite satisfying at times, also quite challenging. But <laughs> on the marriage, <laughs> but no, we are um, yeah, involved in, in various ways. <laughs> There's so much to be said about um, uh, working in the sheepyards, almost like you could do your own podcast on this very subject and there's a sort of certain license that comes over everybody the minute they step inside the sheepyards. Totally. (laughs) I I must admit too, I love working with stock. It's like when you're not doing it all of the time, it really is like, yeah, just stepping back in the saddle, sitting back in the saddle, you kind of, you know, you know it all over again without having to necessarily practice it every day. And that's a good feeling. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, um, it's quite a nice feeling when everything's flowing, you know, the yard work, I can't say it happens all the time, but you know, when you, we, we purchased a, um, a Tapari sheep handler, um, when we built our new sheep yards and, that's quite an interesting piece of machinery to get to know, you know, with an auto drafter and mm-hmm. uh, auto drenching gun and all those sorts of things. But um, yeah, there's been a few teething issues, but we've kind of 
we've tightened that up now and it can actually be quite amazing how well the the stock will will flow through that race um, when you get the pressure on right and (laughs) so it's it's yeah it is it is quite nice it is quite nice off in an in an off farm sense tell me a little bit about your experience in the corporate world and how that's helped you or continues to help you now yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I suppose how it's helped um, is the exposure to different sort of systems and processes that you obtain from big business is good. That overall structured approach to business management, um, things like communication skills, corporate governance, financial analysis, all of those things, working in a team, I mean, like they're all skills um, that you might be using in the corporate life, but just a different context. You're then going to apply that, you know, at a farm level. Um, you might be managing a team of contractors or you might be, um, you know, doing financial analysis, but it's on your own financials um, versus a company. So I think there's definitely crossover. Um, my, my experience was sort of in professional services, banking and consulting and, um, I guess in banking, having that deep understanding of, of um, how banks work and, you know, appreciating how things are from the bank's perspective also helps, you know, when you're on the client side um, in, in cultivating that relationship. Um, and then just having a, a wider network um, in the agribusiness industry is really good. You've got other people to bounce things off and um, it's one big paddock really. Like you just overlap with people in, in in lots of ways in Australia, the, the world is very small. So it's kind of complementary, I think. I love yeah. that one big paddock. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what I'm sure you have um, worked with and um, cross paths with many brilliant people in their fields. Do you use mentors in your farming operation now? Yeah, I, I do use mentors. Um, I probably have different mentors for different aspects of of life or your career um area mentors I've used in a career sense throughout the MBA and things like that um in the UK but then on the farm side of things um I guess funnily enough I have a, a a really wonderful aunt um and she might not even realize that she's a mentor as such um but she's just been a really inspiring person to speak to over the years because she runs a, a sheep and wool business in South Australia with my uncle and you know they've sort of they're just sort of 20 years ahead of us like building up um refining their, their business model and doing that raising kids and um she's a really hands-on operator and can count sheep like no other and mm-hmm. also handle all the um you know the business side of things in the office and um She's, yeah, a jack of all trades like that. And I, I really enjoy those insights from her and the pep talks <laughs> whenever we have them. Um, so, yeah, in that context, absolutely. And then um, other sort of business people that I've come across in life that I'd speak to, you know, every few weeks about what I'm up to. And there's always a few bit of gold nuggets if you're willing to listen, I think, um, the conversations you have with people who maybe around the bend of you so it's up to you to sort of listen and learn and apply it where you can 
And having worked in other sectors, how do you find the wool, the wool industry and the people within it and the people in your wool community? I think the wool industry has an authenticity about it, which is pretty unique and special. Um, you know, it's a pretty salt of the earth and purposeful industry. And I suppose that's agriculture and primary production in general, but wool from a historical perspective or colonial element, you know, Australia was built off its back and, you know, it was just such an immense part of our country's development from the historical and, you know, heritage perspective. I think, I think that's really, truly special and actually um, quite present um, on land and, you know, particularly the studs and the, you know, bigger runs in the partial industry, that heritage is really special. Um, but the community, I don't know, I suppose um, sometimes I'm a bit sad that a lot of that um, maybe appreciation of role wool played in our country's development has sort of been lost. Um, you know, but, again, I guess modern-day modern producers, we need to be telling our story and reinventing ourselves, you know, and, and always promoting the, the good traits of the, the sector and why we grow what we grow and why we do what we do. And, um, you know, that's on us to, to ensure, up, you know, shore up the sustainability and the future of the industry ultimately, isn't it? Yeah, and I think people are willing to hear the stories if you're brave enough to tell them. And I think people think it's a hard thing to do, but once you do start speaking about it, um, people are all ears. It's great. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, I guess I ha- having a sort of communications background, like that sort of comes quite naturally. I'm quite comfortable with the social media element, but even I know I could be doing a lot more from our own sort of business and enterprise side of things. Um, we just need to all lean into that and and tell the story and and um, and bridge the gap and you know there's we all have our part to play absolutely. Now your farm is not the only thing that you're involved with. You mentioned that you're on a few boards, and I also can't wait to talk to you about the fleece to fashion uh, event and awards that that you help out with. Can you tell me about it? <laughs> Sure. Um, so Fleece to Fashion, I guess, um, well, it was formerly known as the Australian Wool Fashion Awards, TORFA, um, and it's an event that's annually and it celebrates and promotes wool in all of its dimensions and stages of production from the, the paddock right through to the runway and um, through an event, um, basically, uh, our core business is to educate and inspire the, the next generation of designers so school level tertiary level and you know um the the younger end to want to experiment and um explore the qualities of wool a merino wool in their designs so um this event you know was held at royal city show and and has toured the country and it's some sort of 40 years of being um around and um Recently, it returned to Armadale, and um, yes, that's fine wool heartland, um, and it's quite exciting. After I guess COVID sort of um, a dormant year last year, but we used the opportunity to to regroup as a board, and um, we're pretty excited that we'll be hosting the Fleece Fashion Awards this year in an amazing wool shed um, on Diagi. Uh, station which is a property outside Urala and it's just the most incredible um, 
octagonally shaped wool shed that's sort of brick and tin and all it's really quite an impressive structure and um it's owned by a local family of wool growers in the area who have been so kind in opening up their doors um to allow us to sort of host this black tide do and set up a runway and light it all up um and invite you know a couple of hundred people in to see the latest collections and celebrate the whole thing so yeah it really will epitomize um fleece to fashion um just based on the venue i think so exciting. it's so amazing that shed you can see it on the fleece to fashion website that's right isn't it yeah yeah it's just it's not open to the public but it's on a sort of tourist drive outside of, of urala um near armadale and um you often sort of We'll see vehicles parked up just sort of pulling up to sort of admire the structure. Um, so to have the opportunity to invite people in and um, and host the awards in the pens out the back of the shed. Um, I mean, we'll do the canopies in the sort of um, uh, the entryway and then walk people, people through um, down to the back and in the pens set up individual tables where people will be seated for their, their dinner and then down the main centre of the the pens is a, a runway um, that will be elevating so you can get a good view of the the models and the collection and um, yeah it will be really quite something. What's come of these awards in the past? It's a very grassroots kind of event um, that no doubt elevates people and labels to new levels. It does and um I know the track record of the awards for younger younger designers, say, you know, at school or tertiary or design schools who have entered their collections have had the chance to be noticed by, um, you know, some pretty prestigious judges um, and designers themselves and the publicity that they receive from being entrants and, and obviously successful in their categories has been a platform for them to launch their um, their careers and they've gone on to study in you know, amazing design schools in, you know, New York and around the world. That is, you know, I guess the whole point, um, just the profile raising. But as well, it's a platform to promote our region. It's a platform to promote um, wool growers and, and the agribusinesses um, and the role we play, you know, in, uh, for, you know, in our economy. You know, that is a really important thing. The, the event itself draws a lot of people to the area. So then, you know, from a tourism perspective, there's um, there's that. So it, it sort of has tentacles into other um, uh, sectors in agribusiness tourism. We're looking at um, establishing a, a retail platform to sell and promote some of those willing, winning designs and collections like past and present. And we've had a pop-up shop in Armadale in the past where we've sold um, Australian designers um, clothing um, wool obviously and promoted the awards and things like that so it, there's definitely an extension and um, more opportunity I think down the line for, for Torfa or for place to fashion. And what about your opinion of, of wool clothing and garments and wool as a fabric? I think wool has come such a long way from the switchy, scratchy um, stigma that, you know, might have been around so 20 years ago um, to now being this absolutely luxurious um, fibre that you sort of privileged to own, wear um, and feel. Um, like I'm, I'm always surprised when I pick up, uh, you know, a, 
a knit or something in a store and I think, oh, it must have silk or cashmere, you know, blend through it and you read the label and you realise it's 100% merino wool and you think, wow, you know, like that is just the most beautiful, um, softest garment. Um, So I think as a fibre, it's come a long way and especially um, actually as a mum, with lilies, I've certainly um, loved putting them in close contact with wool in their sort of sleep suits and onesies. This amazing brand called Henry and Grace, which is actually a Urala brand local to here, does the most beautiful divine line of baby wear and um, my boys still wear that um, even um, today and that's just, it's just stunning and regulates their temperature and it doesn't smell it doesn't stain like other fibers and it's just actually I think it's essential it's my like go-to gift for any new mum mm-hmm. I <laughs> love that stuff too them yeah. a Henry Grace. isn't it good mm. yeah, there's yeah. just something amazing about that so the role I think yeah well babies like that was a whole sort of renaissance um again for me um when having babies that you know it had a whole you know purpose and and it's the it's the best Mm. well Jess I've loved meeting you it's so 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 great to um, get to know a bit more about you and what you and your husband Hamish do and your love for wool so thanks for taking the time to chat with us on women behind wool oh thank you very much Sky it's um I absolutely I was quite daunted when you (laughs) asked or Penny asked to do this and you know you've got some phenomenal women um on the podcast who have just done so much for our industry I you know feel like we're just so small um and a little blip but you're doing great things so thank you for the opportunity to be involved and um anyone looking for tickets to fleece to fashion they're on sale in June so keep an eye out for that one and um get along to the event because it will be a really great a really great do where do we find you? So fleecetofashion.com.au and um, our social media um, pages on Facebook and Instagram too. Um, keep an eye out. I think our, our tickets will be on sale this month. So getting limit, limited numbers, obviously, but not to be missed. Thank you for listening to the Women Behind Wall podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please help us to spread the love for wool. You can share this episode on your Instagram stories. And if you subscribe to iTunes, a fresh episode will be waiting for you each Monday morning. Our website is womenbehindwool.com.au. Stay warm and rugged up in your wool and we'll be back with you next week.